from the modern liturgical version. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his humble servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen, alleluia. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Good morning, Philpot. Hello, everyone. How are you doing this morning? You doing, you doing well? You doing well? Well, I'm doing well too, because I'm up here. <laughs> and I get a chance to share the word of God with you today, and I'm very much looking forward to that. And uh, it's just a blessing and an honor to be here, and I am so very thankful to be able to be speaking to you today, continuing on our, our series, uh, our series, uh, So This Is Christmas. And uh, last week, Pastor Russell kicked us off talking about Christmas preparations, and we got a chance to begin our series to see uh, what uh, preparations of Christmas are all about. Uh, my name is Dean Billings, and uh, for those of you that may not know me, uh, my wife Sarah and I have been here since October 2016. We started... Uh, we came here, and uh, I also speak on a rotation basis uh, with the Breakfast Club, and uh, do that on a monthly-ish basis or so, and I also serve on the missions committee here, and I'm so thankful uh, to be a part of the Philpot uh, Church and, uh, and the team here. You know, uh, it is very special to the Lord Jesus that we worship him, and I don't know if you caught during worship how sweet that was. Wasn't the sweet sound so beautiful? You know, we, we, we sang about, uh, is he worthy? Is he worthy? And he is worthy, and I'm so thankful that we had a chance to, to praise him and sing together uh, doing that uh, this morning. It's so good. So good to be here. Let me pray this morning, and uh, let's just commit this time and this morning to him. Father in heaven, Lord God, as we come before you this very day, God, we come before you, God, uh, seeking you. We come before you this day, God, asking you, uh, Father, uh, to open our minds and our hearts, Lord. As we look to your word, as we look to Luke chapter 2, we just pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to us. Lord God, lead us, guide us. Father, we're so grateful to God that you have chose us and that, Father, that we can uh, uh, glorify you this very day. Help us, Lord God, to serve you, to seek you, as we look forward to Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. 
And I don't know what it looks like in your neighborhood, uh, but in mine, there's a lot of lights going up. It is really beginning to look a lot, and it's looking like a lot like Christmas around here at Philpot too. You know, I, I know most of you missed last week uh, for good reason. It was a terrible freezing rainstorm, and, uh, and, and most of us missed it. Uh, but, but Pastor Russell kicked us off uh, in our five-week series, our Christmas preaching series uh, titled, So This is Christmas. And uh, he did kick off with Christmas preparations, um, talking about and leading us through uh, the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary and uh, letting uh, her know that she was favored and selected by God and uh, that uh, the God is with her and that she will give birth to a son and name him Jesus. Of course, Mary said, but how can this be? How can this be? Maybe some of you ask the question, how can this be, Lord, in my life, in my situation, in my time, in, in things that are going on? You know, life is a journey. And if we're uh, honest, sometimes we're a little frustrated. Sometimes we think that the circumstances of life are put there just to frustrate us, just to create uh, an irritation. I don't know about you, but I have said and questioned and wondered, how can this be? How can this be? Particularly as we approach Christmas, I'm not sure about you, but uh, there are often, uh, Christmas is often a time of uh, challenges. You know, there's, there's preparations and there's a lot of details and there's a lot of things going on. Uh, but are you often challenged at Christmas with, with uh, you know, planning and, and the family and who, who gets Christmas Day? Isn't that such a fight? Who gets Christmas Day? Well, you know, and we, well, last year, there's a lot of details behind Christmas. Russell also talked to us about uh, uh, Zechariah uh, and Elizabeth, and they had a son named John, John the Baptist, as we know, and, and Russell closed on this. He closed on, there is no pause button in life. Life just doesn't stop because I'm not having a good day. Life just doesn't stop. And life for Mary and Joseph just didn't stop. But they made a decision. Not knowing all of the details, they made the decision to trust the Lord Jesus. To trust in him, believing that his plan was greater than their plan. And I would suggest today that we too are all on this journey of faith. Presupposing that you have made a decision to follow Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that today, or that sounds foreign to you, we'd love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. Come and see me after service, and, or Pastor Russell or one of the elders. We'd love to talk to you. If you're not aware of or wonder what a journey of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus is all about. But know this. Know that we are all invited on this journey whether we recognize it or not. You know, God, uh, sometimes it feels like he's in the fine print of details. But nonetheless, he is in the details. And so today, as we look uh, towards some of these Christmas details, and uh, that is the uh, week for me, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the details, three important things uh, that I'm going to share with you. We've all been born, been born in the flesh, we all have a start, we all have a story, and we all have a journey that's unique to ourselves. 
Mary and Joseph had a journey. They had a story. Today we're going to talk about the most important birth, most important birth in all of humanity, recorded in Luke chapter 2. And as we look at that, I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles ready and open to Luke chapter 2 this morning. But let me start by telling you a journey that my wife Sarah and I took. That journey was to arrive here at Philpot. Um, we, back up one slide. We, um, you could say that this journey was unplanned. You know, Sarah and I um, were, wanted to help uh, her brother connect with a local church. And we thought, gee, if we could just help her brother connect to a local church in the downtown core, he lives here in the downtown core, if we could just maybe come with him for a few weeks, he'd get connected. So we did that. We thought, hey, let's pick him up and we'll take him. And, you know, he wanted to get to know a few people and he wanted to get feel a little comfortable. And Phil, Phil Pot came recommended to me. And, uh, in fact, I had come here for a session a number of years ago for Hamilton Challenge. And... Uh, and I had, uh, I had heard about it and uh, heard good things. I thought, well, we'll check it out. So there we were. We, uh, we brought, we brought uh, her brother here for a few weeks. We made that commitment. But, you know, coming in and the, 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 the volunteers and the staff, they were just so f warm and friendly. Wouldn't you know it? He didn't get connected, but we did. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here standing here today speaking to you. Was that my plan or is that God's plan yeah you know um, I would invite all of us today to recognize that God is not only just in the details but he is author of the details and so let's read together Luke chapter 2 that's going to be on screen or page 942 in your pew Bibles follow along with me as we look to this scripture today Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Praise be to God for his word, for his word. We're thankful for this text, specifically uh, this benefits us, and, and, and if we apply the scriptures to our lives, uh, we will not be the same. Who believes that here? Amen. I believe that with all my heart, with all my soul, that if we apply the scriptures to us, that we will be changed, that Jesus encourages us and asks us and desires for us to follow him through his scripture. Three points that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, first is the journey. Second is the place. And third is the incarnation. And my hope again today is that 
uh, you come to recognize and have an awareness that God is not only in the details, but rather author of the details. This particular historically significant scripture starts with, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So therefore, the journey begins. The journey begins. The census went out, the decree, the entire Roman world. Can you just put yourselves in the place of Mary and Joseph for a moment? Just that reality for a moment that they were now required to, to travel from where they were in Nazareth to, to head to Bethlehem? That would be a particularly difficult journey, particularly for a pregnant woman. At that time, they didn't have uh, many public transportation options. Joseph didn't have a bus pass. They didn't have highways and streets that they could get there pretty smoothly. She was pregnant. They had a long journey. There wasn't walk-in clinics along the way that they could stop and have an ultrasound. They couldn't quickly come through the drive-through to freshen up and grab a coffee to keep going. No. They had a long journey ahead of them. But wait a minute. This journey, as difficult as it is going to be, how could this be? Lord, I, I, you just spoke to me and said that you found favor with me. Remember Mary in Luke 1? Russell told her. Mary was just informed through the angel Gabriel that she had been found with favor. Does this sound like Someone who's been found favor with God? A long journey, days without Tim Hortons? Let me tell you about a journey that my wife Sarah and I went on a few years ago. We uh, decided that we wanted to go to Greece for our honeymoon. And so uh, we traveled to Greece and, and, and toured around many biblical sites there. And... Uh, went to Corinth, rented a car for a day, drove to Corinth, just had to experience, had to stand there in the old ruins and experience what that was like. Uh, we then decided that uh, we wanted to go, I wanted to go and stand on, in the Areopagus on Mars Hill and stand where Paul stood and he said to the unknown God. Remember, he, he preached that and he talked and he shared the gospel with them, pointing them that there is a God, a one true God, that would lead them. Well, we decided that we also wanted to go and visit uh, one of the Greek islands. Now, I know you're thinking, a Greek islands honeymoon, we're probably going to Santorini, right? Mykonos? Nope. We wanted to go to a small unknown island called Patmos. Anybody know Patmos? Not familiar? Got a lot of head nods? Yeah. Patmos, if you recall, was the island that John was exiled to. In the cave, he wrote revelations there, inspired by God. So there we were. Sarah and I boarded the ship. We boarded that ferry. It was going to be a late night, uh, overnight cruise. And uh, we settled down for this long journey. And we were on our way. And we were doing pretty good, you know, bride and groom, honeymoon, on a ship. It was pretty good. And then we heard an announcement over the PA system and 
okay, and a couple people sort of woke us up and kind of a few people stirred, and then a second announcement. Of course, it was all Greek to me. <laughs> it was. And then a third announcement. And, and, but the people weren't really stirring. And, and, and a few people got up and our, one or two people grabbed their luggage and left, you know. And, and, and I just said, what, what do you think's going on? Oh, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. Okay. And then it struck me. Patmos isn't a final destination. It's one stop along the journey. Well, when that revelation hit me, no pun intended. Revelation, get it? Everyone, okay. Uh, pause for. Uh, I I realized that. Wait a minute. This was a stop on the journey. We had better hurry up and get going. I said, Sarah, we have to go. Relax. It's going to be okay. No worries. I said, No, no. We've we've got to go. We've got to go. We let's we got to go. And so sure enough, okay, okay. We got, grabbed our stuff and and. We're on a honeymoon, right? And we get going, and, and we, we're heading towards the back of the ship, and we're about to disembark when I saw the most eerie sight I've seen. That bridge, that draw, that coming up, the, and, and the boat start to pull away from the dock. We had missed our stop. We had missed Patmos. And I turned to my wife. This was a test. This was a test, my first test. As husband, where were we going? What was the next island? What was the next stop? Were we headed to Turkey? I don't know. We were darn close, if you know that area. Well, that to say, we're all on a journey. We were able to get off at the next island called Liros. In the middle of the night, we had no idea where we were. We had no accommodation. We had no plan. We got dropped off with about three or four people on this island in the middle of the night. We had no idea what we were doing. But I would say God was still the author of that. He was in the details. Whether I acknowledged it, whether I recognized it, whether I was comfortable in it or not. Have you ever been tested? Have you ever been put into a situation where you thought the Lord was leading you. You thought you were in a situation. You thought you were doing well. Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. How long would that take and where would they stay? As I said earlier, Luke gives us this description in verses 1 to 3. As a date in time, as a referral, Caesar Augustus issued the decree being the, arguably the first and greatest Roman emperor who ruled from 31 BC to 40, 14 AD. Luke is intending in his account, in, his, in the gospel, to uh, give us a historical and a chronological uh, basis for Jesus' birth, for his coming. Now I know there's been some dispute in terms of, uh, of, of that being the first census and I'm not, I won't discuss the debate amongst philosophers, um, only to say that I do know that Luke had the right heart. In Luke chapter 1, he addressed this, and in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Luke said that he carefully investigated everything from the beginning 
until now, writing an orderly account for us, that what happened, happened. And so uh, Luke, being a physician, trust in him and know that he definitely was doing his very best to give us an accurate recording. Caesar Augustus issued the decree that everyone go to his own town to register. Something you may miss here is the significance of this decree. Take a look at the geographical size of the entire Roman world at that time. This just didn't apply to Mary and Joseph, to Nazareth. This applied to the entire Roman world. Issuing a decree that everyone would travel back to their hometown, that would be a lot of work, a big task, a lot of details. But there's one small detail that I would not want us to miss. In this large geographical area, verse 4 of our text. Verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Mary and Joseph had that journey ahead of them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now I know you're wondering, how far is that? Well, Google Maps says it's 157 kilometers down the main highway, Route 6. But there was no Route 6 back then. There was just a trail that took them off. Let me explain to you how it is most likely that they made this journey. From Nazareth, they would have crossed over the mountains through Cana to the southern shores of the Sea of Galilee. There, they would have rendezvoused with others going south. It was the norm for people to travel along these routes in groups to avoid robbers. Usually, a self-appointed guide or protector would have been paid a fee to uh, follow along with them and be in their group as a guide. There is no donkey in the biblical account for Mary to ride, although many suggest she may have ridden a donkey. But riding a donkey for a woman pregnant probably would have been difficult. It may have been easier to walk. And remember, she would have been young, likely a teenager, a late teen at that time. But she was strong. She had to be strong enough to survive. The route started on the west shores of the Jordan River, just south of Beth Sheen. You'd cross the river into what is now Jordan, as that route was easier and safer from there to Jericho, where they actually would cross back. The temperature in this area, in this green valley, would have been more mild than would have been found going through the, uh, going through the, the mountains around Bethlehem to get there. To this point, it would have been mostly smooth. From Jericho to Bethlehem would have required going through the barren wilderness of Judea. The protection offered by the group, again, the guide, would have been essential. It was along this route where the Good Samaritan was actually robbed. Remember, he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. Luke does not say how long in advance of Jesus' birth that Joseph or Mary left for Bethlehem or how long the journey took. We do know that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. You'll recall that. So it was sometime after that. 
And the most likely estimates are that the journey took four to seven days, walking or possibly riding a donkey. I know the Bible doesn't describe that, but I know that we all, <laughs> we all create uh, an image of what happened and how this might have gone. You know, a lot of the Christmas um, scriptures and, and, and images that we have are formed from us being in, uh, children, uh, you know, at school or Christmas uh, movies that you watch. I mean, uh, of course there was a donkey, right? And let's not forget that uh, Mary was pregnant, probably very pregnant, probably not in the mood for a trip like this. But Lord, you've found favor with me. Lord, you're with me, right? Lord, I've got to do this journey. Any husbands out there recall your wife in the late stages of pregnancy? How was she feeling at that time? Probably not in the mood for a four to seven day trip. Life can be like that. Faith can be like that. We don't always understand the journey we're on. We don't always understand why this or why that situation is happening. Mary or Joseph had a journey and they chose to trust. As part of our Christian journey, our, our faith is built upon trust. Trusting God, trusting that his plan is better than our plan and that the journey in walking with him is better than walking alone. He promises to be with us, that his path is better than our path. And so now let's look from the journey to the place. Let's take a look at Luke 2, verses 6 and 7 and look now at the place that we come to, that they come to. Verse 6 and 7 tells us that while they were still there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This location of Jesus' birth has drawn much attention and speculation where it actually took place. Scripture doesn't tell us, but we know that he was placed in a manger or sorry, scripture tells us that he was placed in a manger, but where was this manger kept? Where are mangers normally kept? Mangers are normally kept, it's a, a manger is actually a feeding trough, if you don't know that, for animals. So it would make sense that they would be found in a, in a barn or somewhere where animals are kept, or maybe, maybe more so culturally relevant. Uh, back in those days, the caves around Bethlehem, animals and livestock were kept in caves. There's a lot of caves in and around that area. The mere notion to me that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born in a manger, in a feeding trough, humbles me to the core. I, I just can't imagine that this baby that was favored and that the angel Gabriel came down and spoke to Mary, that how could it be that this King of Kings and Lord of Lords would be born here. Mark 10.45 tells us that Jesus did not come to serve, or not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when Mary and Joseph arrived, there was no room for them in the end. They had to find this lodging elsewhere. 
Mary would not have chosen this location, but she had no choice. It was just what had to be at that time. Life is like that for us too. How well do you do in accepting the circumstances and the situations in your life? I don't think Jesus was laid in a manger by any accident. I think it was a spiritual symbol for us, one that for us to recognize the coming Messiah, the King of Israel, we would expect him to be born in royalty. We probably expected him to, to come in on a horse or probably expected him uh, to be born in a castle somewhere or somewhere uh, like a fairy tale, like a movie. We certainly didn't think he would be born in a manger in a cave on the side of Bethlehem. So the place has significance, very sincere significance. That brings us to the third part of the incarnation. Now it's now time for the baby to be born. And it says in the scripture, verse 7, that she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Animals go to the manger for physical food. But, you know, I can only imagine for a moment, you know, Jesus lying in that manger. In a way, we now, so many years later, we now go to Jesus for spiritual food. You know, uh, in John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It continues. If I can find it. But I, as I have told you, you have seen me, and, I, and you still do not believe. At that time, the Father gives me, all the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and who believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Praise be to God's word. This is where the incarnation, that Christ Jesus comes in the flesh for you and for me, He's coming in the flesh. The incarnation, the, the, the Latin word for incarnation means, is caro, which means flesh. God came in the flesh. He assumed human nature and became born in the flesh so that you would understand, so that you and I could relationally connect with him. He's second person of the Trinity. He's fully God and he's fully man. And he came for you and for me. And I would say even John 3.16 comes to mind. We said it earlier. The kids said it. It's probably the most popular scripture verse that I can think of reflecting the incarnation of Christ Jesus coming down. In John 3.16, as we read earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus has provided us with his word with his gospel. Jesus, him being born in a manger, like no other food, he can be our spiritual food. 
that we can seek him for our sustenance in life, not just physically, but spiritually. That he was born, that he was raised, and that he died on a cross for you and for me. That we would come to know him personally. Jesse, I'm going to have you come on up with the, uh, with the rest. We're going to look at the final slide talking about, so this is Christmas. Let me recap a little bit. Let me start off with the journey and then the place and then the incarnation. We started today with the journey. The journey was a decree going out as a census for us to be counted. Mary and Joseph being required to go and to be registered. Can you just imagine the, <laughs> Joseph and Mary thinking, but Lord, <laughs> you know my wife's pregnant, right? You know how difficult this is going to be. Lord, you hear my prayers, right? Have you ever prayed for something in your life? Have you ever wondered if God is listening to you, if he hears your prayers, if it's true? Is he real? Like last week, we heard Mary just made a big decision. The big decision in her life is that she was going to trust in him. She made that decision to trust in him. But God asked for patience. He asked for, asked for understanding. He asked for patience for him to do his work. He encourages us to trust in him to make the decision without knowing all the details. How are you at details? Do you need to know every last one before you'll step in faith? Sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I need to know a lot of details. I need to figure it out. Confession time. This is a place to do that. Lord, forgive me for having to know every detail. Allow me to trust in you. We're all on a journey, and God is not just in the journey, but author of the journey, your faith journey. The place itself was important. You know, this dark, dingy cave that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born in. Was that even possible? Did it even make sense? Or is it impossible, but only possible with God? The incarnation, the coming of Christ in the flesh for you and for me, living, dying on a cross, being raised three days later. Did you know the Old Testament is filled with just over 400 prophecies about Christ Jesus? Did you know that he also fulfilled every one of them? That his sacrifice for us all, spending an eternity in heaven with him, is something that he offers us today. It's a journey, and it can be tough. Today, I would pray that if you haven't made that decision, that as we pray and get ready for Christmas, to have some patience and, and to recognize and, and to know that this season of preparation for us as Christ's followers is part of the process, the details. Christmas draws us and invites us into a posture of waiting, humbling ourselves, tuning our hearts to him, recognizing that the King of Kings 
is coming and that we're going to celebrate together in just a few weeks his sacrifice and his coming for you and for me. I pray that you would know that this is Christmas, that God is in all the details and that behind all those details is a sovereign God that loves you, that loves me, and is just asking us to trust him. I pray that we would trust him in Jesus' name. Please remain standing. I'm just going to have a benediction prayer to share with you. And so will you just bow with me as we pray to close this service. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this time, this this, this message today, God, the Luke chapter 2 story, verses 1 to 7, God, we're so grateful, God, that you've given us this word through the author Luke, Father, that we can receive your son. And so may we go, thinking of Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we believe in him, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen prayer ministry after. If you would like prayer, if you would like to learn more about uh, this church, if you'd like prayer something specific, please join me up front or Pastor Russell or any one of the elders will be up front and look forward to praying with you. God bless you all. Have a great week. Amen.